Yeah. I spit raps like a heart attack, fast fatal heart impact, past painful thoughts, in fact I blast tasteful bars and packs, I back up my actions back, don't ask, grab reactions, jack attack with every word, then act with class as they hear me snap, I got nothing to lose, cause I fought and felt the bruise, now I'm not the one confused, call the shots and they produce, I ain't lost, I'm finally loose, pick a new silver excuse, I need the views to boost me through a new abuse of being used, everybody wants a piece now, y'all can rest in peace, now you're dead to me so peace out, remember you just freaked out, Keep ready for defeat now I'm gonna make you bleed out Listen on repeat now And weed out all the weak now Get up and make a change Don't remember yesterday If you got something to say Speak your mind before you're great Cause your life is yours to save Ain't nobody gonna change Everybody stays the same So be different, make a change Hello and welcome in I'm Kyle, I'm your host And today joining us is One of the best writers in the Debbie scene one of the best friends to the Undroppables program. He's been on the two-on-one podcast. He was a, he was on our Undraftathon. He is the co-founder of Campus2Canton.com. That is Campus, the number two, Canton. And he is the host of the Debbie Debate podcast, which is live on the Campus2Canton YouTube page every Wednesday evening. Welcome to the show, Felix Sharp. Let's do it. The Undroppables, those are extended family scott nick regina tommy mo um you know you 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 can connect with some people on twitter you get the opportunity to and those are some folks that i've really connected with so i'm glad to be doing this podcast the inaugural episode i'm i'm really honored as i've said on twitter debbie is the new frontier c2c is the new frontier so if you aren't in a debbie league a campus to canton league you need to get into one because it's going to be the norm sooner rather than later. And I'm so glad. I'm so glad that this is a new um, uh, Debbie podcast that's starting up. We need more of them. I got to say, when I decided I was going to do this, there was only one choice for the first episode. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. So we're going to jump right in. And um, this first episode is going to be kind of like an intro to Debbie and what C2C and college fantasy football really are. And so we're going to start with a little something I call UND 101, um, an introduction to Debbie formats. So Felix, um, if you could start us off, what really makes Debbie different from a normal fantasy football league? Yeah, so Debbie is short for de- developmental. So any type of Debbie league, you could be referring to college fantasy, C2C, or just a Debbie league. Um, they're all kind of batched into one group. That term Debbie kind of means all of them. People use it interchangeably, but it just means that you have some sort of college aspect on, on tagged on to your regular NFL, um, into your regular NFL dynasty league. And so, um, we can get into each of the types if you want to, but at its core, Debbie just means that, all right, you know, that Trevor Lawrence, that uh, uh, Travis Etienne, Rondell Moore, Elijah Moore, we're going to incorporate those players into our rosters one season or two seasons earlier so that they become part of our rosters, our NFL rosters, before they actually declare for the NFL draft. So in some capacity, generally speaking, you know, that's what Debbie is. Yeah, and so that could mean, like, just having a Debbie draft where you just have players that are just sitting there waiting to add to your team 
or it could be a campus to Canton style league, which obviously is the name of your site. So if you could explain what one of those is. Well, let's go through the, like the Debbie was a little more pop. Campus to Canton is relatively new uh, just in the last two years. That's what people are doing. So let's start with Debbie. Debbie generally meant that you had your regular NFL team and then you may have had three, four, five college players on a taxi squad. They didn't add any points to your team. They were just kind of assets that you could use until they declared for the NFL and for the NFL draft. So you could have had, for example, Saquon Barkley rostered after he went off against USC in that Rose Bowl. And, and you know, once he gets to the NFL, you have him, and you may have four or five of those players. What Campus to Canton is, is that instead of just using those college players as a taxi squad, we have a full roster of college players, and there's a whole college season that you play, a college championship. And so instead of just having Saquon or, um, you know, Trevor Lawrence on your taxi squad, you're act they're actually scoring points for your co the college side of your campus to Canton League each year. And you can, you know, win that week and win the championship, go to the playoffs, just like your normal uh, NFL dynasty team. So campus to Canton, you have two teams, a college side or college team and the NFL team. And once your players declare for the NFL draft, get drafted, they are just pipelined in pipeline piped through to your to your NFL team. And so it's the um, it's it's the fastest growing format. It's the it's the most fun. If you think that you're an evaluator, that you can evaluate talent and you're making rookie big boards and that kind of thing, then campus to Canton leagues are for you because you get to do that as opposed to when those players uh, uh, declare for the draft in April. You could have those players rostered uh, for for three for for three years because you can draft them as freshmen. Jameer Gibbs, Bijan Robinson, Kendall Milton. Um, uh, those are some of the bigger names that that we're seeing that we're waiting for, for later classes to come. And if you're playing in a campus to Canton league, those types of players are scoring points for you. Elijah Moore, uh, the Jets, who's tearing it up in training camp. He could have been on your roster last year, tearing it up for your college side of your campus to Canton League. So, you know, campus to Canton is for, for those folks who want to get a little bit of action on Saturdays, who believe in themselves as evaluators and who just really want to dive into the game and have a passion for the game. Yeah. So obviously with Debbie, you're trying to draft just players that'll make it to the NFL. And with campus yep. to Canton, you got to balance that with, players who are going to score points on your college side. So how do you change your approach between the two different types? Yeah. So in Debbie, all you want is players that are going to make it to, um, to the NFL because they only become assets for you. If that isn't in fact the case, as you mentioned, uh, in campus to Canton leagues, you're going to have some of those players are going to go to the NFL, but some of them are going to just score points for you. Um, on the college side of your leagues, but they don't really have a real NFL future. Think of a player like Jonathan Adams that people were really high on last year coming out of Arkansas State. Um, was undrafted, went to the Lions. I believe he's already been cut by the Lions, but that's the type of player that's very valuable for you uh, on the college side of your campus to Canton leagues because he could score 20, 25 points a game just being that dominant presence in college. So as far as approaches go, you know, it, when you're in a startup draft, um, you generally you're taking the, the first 10, 15 rounds with Debbie players, players that you think are going to make it to your NFL team. And then thereafter, 
thereafter, you're trying to get these produce these guys who are really going to produce uh, on the college side. Just uh, think of a, if anyone's familiar with the Mountain West and the player like Ronnie Rivers over at Fresno State. Probably doesn't have a real NFL future, but catches 60, 50, 60 passes every year out of a running back position. The running back is going to put up 25, 30 points a game. Uh, a player, a quarterback that actually has both Debbie value and campus to Canton value and Carson Strong. Um, I think he's going to be a first round pick, but he has tremendous college side value because he can put up 40 point point games. So generally speaking, you're going to get those top end players in the first 10, 15 rounds of your drafts where you think that they have an NFL future. And that can be freshmen that are coming in all the way up to, uh, to, to you know, to juniors, seniors, whatever you think they have an NFL future. Just to give you an example, uh, last year, Bryce Young was a freshman. DJ Uyunglele was a freshman. Those guys hadn't played played a snap, but they were pretty much drafted in the first five rounds or so of campus to Canton startups because of um, high, how highly touted they were. And we see that how that's turned out for DJ Uyunglele. He's got to be the odds-on favorite to be the number one pick uh, in 2023. So, um, But that's your approach if you're getting started in the campus to Canton league is you're going to dive into our rankings at campus2canton.com. You're going to dive into uh, the, the rankings at the Undroppables 24-7, and you're going to use all of those resources to kind of create a list for you for, all right, who are the guys that have NFL futures? And then, you know, who are the guys that can just put up mega, mega stats for, for me on the college side? And obviously those two can go hand in hand a lot of the time um, with uh, like – High-level players who score a lot of points are obviously going to be high, highly touted draft players when they go out, right? It, like, it sometimes like if you're playing in the SEC and you're scoring twenty points a game in college fantasy, you're probably going to be an NFL prospect. And that's that's what Elijah Moore was. Matt Corral, who's at uh, Ole Miss right now, who was thrown to Elijah Moore last year, a, a quarterback one on college fantasy sides. Um, very productive college producer, Malik Willis, who we've seen shoot up uh, NFL draft boards, at least according to the media reports. He's a, he's a guy who scores consistently 40, 45 points a game on the college side. So, um, But then you take – I mean, let me think of, a, of an, their, your tight ends. Um, uh, Jalen Wattemeyer, you know, Tommy Tremble. Those guys, they, they score decent, but they're not – you know, high college producers, you can get other guys like Cole Turner, again, out of Nevada, who will score more points, but isn't the NFL prospect that, for example, Tommy Tremble was. And so um, it really depends player to player. Just because you are a massive college producer doesn't mean that you're going to be um, a high NFL draft pick. Dante Wright out of Colorado State, he has been balling since his freshman year as an 18-year-old at Colorado State, but he's small, 5'11", 170 pounds. He's going to have to run a 4-4 flat or 4-3 something to be an NFL draft pick, but still very productive on the co- on the college side. So that, uh, you know, whether or not your massive production on the college side translates to NFL draft capital, that depends. That's a, a player-by-player um, analysis. Yeah, and so – if just understanding the league itself is UND 101, then we're going to jump into UND 102 here, and that's understanding the talent in college football. So, Felix, what's your process for evaluating talent at the college level? 
Well, at, a, at its core, um, I like watching film. I just like watching players when I'm bored, um, watching football. I just get excited about it. Once I find a player that, that you know, that I really like. Uh, last year was Jameer Gibbs, this kid out of Dalton, Georgia, who was outside the top 10 or 15 running backs in his class. And you just saw him gliding through defenses effortlessly like, like Aaron Jones or Jamal Charles. And I'm like, um, I really like this kid. So at its core – um, it is, it, it starts with Phil, but then I'm going to go to 24 seven. I'm going to go to ESPN and see if I can get some verified testing. For example, their hundred meter dash times to see if they have the potential for NFL speed. If they're running a 11, eight in the hundred, that's, you know, depending on their weight, that's really not really a player that I want. When you see those 10 fives and 10 fours, like you saw out of Christian Leary, who's going to a freshman wide receiver out of Alabama, you know, that they have real, Real speed. When you see um, uh, Troy O'Meary runs, he's running an 11 hundred yard dash at 220 pounds. You're like, okay, that's a slower uh, hundred yards dash time. But but he's um, but because of his weight, you know, I'm going to give him some some. Uh, uh, he's got that size adjusted speed. So um, I'm going to use 347 Sports. I'm going to use see if I can find some verified testing. I really want to see um, the explosion numbers and speed numbers match up. I'll give you another example. Uh, Devin Neal, a player that uh, people are looking out, freshman at Kansas, a rebuilding program. You look at his 40 time, he's in the four, six something range, which is actually pretty good for uh, a freshman. But then you look at his explosion numbers and he's got a 39 inch vertical. That's like, okay, this is a player that has the potential to develop into a really, really elite athlete. So, um, I want to check their athleticism. I want to see that their film, that that athleticism translates on film. And then what what do the recruiting services say about this player and this player's potential? Do I agree or disagree with that analysis based on um, what I'm seeing on the tape? So that's uh, that's testing film. What do the recruiting services say about them? And then obviously I'm going to rely on my colleagues at Campus to Canton. Austin Nace, Matt Bruning, Jarek Backus, uh, Alfred Fernandez, Colin Decker. I'm going to rely on those guys' opinions, too. I find myself relying on their opinions a lot, too. Um, so you said it all starts with film. But I personally am – my strong suit is more analytics than film. So how do you think those two can work together at the college level compared to how they work at the NFL level? Well, I've always used those things in tandem. So if I see a player that I like and I like um, what he looks like on tape, I'm going to go to our tools at campuscan.com and see if that player is above uh, uh, Jarrett's magic line, as I, as I call it. Just for example, um, Mike Woods, a, a transfer wide receiver from Arkansas. He's going to this explosive offense at, um, at, at Oklahoma. Well, I'm going to look him up and say, man, I like how this guy is snatching the ball out of the air. He obviously has deep speed. He's an explosive player. But has he met the production threshold that tells us this player has a potential uh, fantasy-relevant NFL future? And the players that I really get excited about, those two things – mesh together just i'm talking about woods you look at his production for the first his first three years in college and he hasn't reached that threshold that that line but i mean that could be you know uh 
for any number of reasons. And quite frankly, I actually use that process for um, for recruiting high school players too. I want to see that that player has been an elite producer in high school to tell me that they have the potential to be an elite producer in college and eventually be an elite producer um, in the NFL. Kamar Wheaton, five-star running back going to Alabama. You look at his analysis on 24-7 sports, he's been inconsistent in college. Red flag. I don't care that he's a five-star. Red flag. If you are a, a consistent producer in um in high school, and how can you be that in college? Go look at someone like Derrick Henry. I mean, Derrick Henry's like high school numbers is like, yeah, he's going to be an NFL player. So, I mean, this isn't rocket science. The the players who are ridiculous producers in college, they can be, or excuse me, in high school, they can be ridiculous producers in college, can be ridiculous producers in the NFL. Um, I'm really high on a little you know, five eight five nine slot receiver out of Oklahoma State named Brennan Presley, coming out of Bixby, Oklahoma. Um, his last year in college, I think he had a hundred catches and fifteen hundred yards in high school. You know, they play like twelve games in high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 stupid. So um, he's putting up stupid numbers. So um, I'm not an analytics guy. Like I, I will rely on, but I know when I see all right, that person is an, is an elite producer, and they can be. Uh, potentially at the college level. And so when I really get excited about players is when those two things mesh. When they, when I look at the film and say, ooh, this guy has does some things on tape that I like, plus he meets, you know, the athleticism thresholds, he meets the, uh, the uh, production thresholds, it's like a, a, a the, the holy trinity right there. That's when I – and sometimes you get players that meet two of those boxes or check one of those boxes. Sometimes you get players that check all three. The players that check all three are the ones that we should be excited about. Yeah, so how do you, like, adjust for, say, a wide receiver who plays on a high school team that runs the triple option or something like that? Because I remember when T. Higgins was playing in high school, he – you watched him play and he was really good, but his quarterback kind of stunk and they threw the ball maybe like 15, 20 times a game at most. How do you adjust for those type of guys? Yeah, that's when we have to rely on our other stuff. So, is, you know, is T Higgins someone that's dominating in basketball, for example? Is he someone yes, he that's, uh, that's, dom- that's dominating on the, on, the, on the track, for example? Like, are, are there, is there other indicia of this player being a potential elite athlete at the college level. And I mean, that's why campus to Canton is so fun because you really get to dive into these players and no matter what T Higgins um, production was in high school, if he was potentially, you know, an elite athlete, that's going to show up on tape. Kevin mm-hmm. Coleman, who's going to Michigan state is playing both um, ice is playing both basketball and football at, at Michigan state. I mean, that athleticism, is, is going to show up when you watch him, either his basketball highlights when he's doing windmill dunks, just like Henry Ruggs. Remember last draft season when, you know, the internet was going nuts with Henry Ruggs doing all of these jumping from the free throw line and all that stuff. I mean, that stuff, it, it translates. So um, it's hard, it's harder to do like market share analysis for high school players, but that's why, again, I say, you know, do they check two of the three, three boxes? Do, do I see, does their film pop? Their production might not because they're in an option offense, like you said. But maybe I can find some verified testing where uh, maybe he jumped 41 inches. 
and you know broad jumped whatever and ran a a a, a, a 10 400 meter dash i don't give a damn what his production was that's going to be a player that i'm excited about so you just got to kind of really do your research on the type of athlete that that incoming freshman is um i do have one more question about just understanding college football and all that is there a recommendation you have for keeping up with news that's happening across the college football scene because obviously with so many teams it's kind of hard to follow each and every team is there a source you use that combines all the teams or into one article yeah i mean it's twitter for news it's twitter it's the my, the campus to canton discord news comes across my desk like mine williams is starting with the ones at ohio state like i said he was um so uh you know it, it's really the beat writers these college fantasy roto world is a matter nbc sports edge uh going there every so often to see you know what's happening and who's who's injured um who's getting reps in camp but it's really fine on those beat those beat writers on Twitter and these college fan. Nate Marquise on uh, on Twitter is a great a great resource for for college news. Kyle Francis of the Debbie Watch, great resource for for college news. I mean, I could think of a number of names. Those are just a couple of off my head. But obviously, you know, Chris Moxley, um, uh, Austin Nace, those are some uh, good resources too. But Twitter, yeah. Twitter, Twitter, Twitter. Okay, so we've talked about like how these leagues work and how we evaluate these players. So let's next jump into like the current cream of the crop at the college football level. Let's introduce yeah. these names to people who might not have played a Debbie league before. Um, we'll start with quarterbacks and we'll go by your rankings. So if you want to introduce your number one quarterback, go ahead. All right. I'm going to introduce my number one quarterback. You got to give me some energy, Kyle. This is exciting. All right. So, DJ well, well, I, yeah, I'll say that I looked at your rankings like a week ago and he wasn't your number one quarterback, but he was my number one quarterback. Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about I'm going to let's talk about the top two so we can have that conversation. So um, my number one quarterback now is DJ, DJ Uyunglele uh, out of St. John Bosco. In Cala in California, I think I think that you would say John Bosco, um, Tommy Moe would kill me if I yeah. got that got that wrong. But uh, <laughs> uh, my number two quarterback is Spencer Rattler, and I'll tell you why I switched them. Spencer Rattler is an elite arm talent. I mean, he is just he will make all these ridiculous throws, and um, uh, is just kind of a marvel on the field when you watch him. DJ Uyunglele has the same talent. But I think he's more mature. Um, both of these guys were on QB1. Spencer Rattler essentially played the villain. And you got to see him kind of tease teammates. And um, they, I mean, the producers really played him up as, as kind of a heel. And so I'm worried about his maturity issues. I have none of those concerns about DJ Uyunglele. And he's just as talented as Spencer Rattler. This is an 18 year old freshman who was taking over for Trevor Lawrence, as good as Trevor Lawrence was, national championship winner with uh, with Clemson. First game, or second game, excuse me, has to go into Notre Dame, into Notre Dame to play one of the, um, uh, the most watched games of the season last year in their COVID truncated season in the ACC, and plays outstanding, outstanding. Not usually when you get a freshman in there, they try to hide him, they're gonna run the ball a lot. 
Uh, uh, Dabo Sweeney and company did not do that. They were throwing the ball downfield. They were be being aggressive. I think he threw the ball over 40-plus times in that overtime game. Um, I remember that game because it was the night of the uh, election and he had to turn to another channel um, because there was a, a speech going on. But that kid's moxie and his poise, he reminds me of Eli Manning where he doesn't get too high or too low. You know, when he throws a touchdown, doesn't does play, just doesn't get too exciting. And frankly, he has a Jamarcus level, Jamarcus Russell level arm. I mean, uh, there's a video of him, I think, when DJ was a junior and he's at a camp with um, Justin Fields and they're throwing the ball next to each other. Justin Fields does his little toss and DJ's like, okay. And then just launch, you know, just launches one. So I moved DJ Uyunglele to number one because if we're splitting hairs here, I want the player who doesn't give me maturity concerns. And that's DJU. That's DJU. Spencer Rattler, number two. Do you want me to go just keep going through her? Well, I'll say first that I completely agree with everything you just said, and that's the exact reason I had them one and two in that order. Uh, we can go ahead and go to number three. Um, I continue to agree with you as, as we move down so far. Yeah, number three is Sam Howe, a highly touted prospect out of North Carolina. Uh, was headed to Fresno State, but Mac Brown and company stole him, and he went to UNC and has been very productive there. I would expect him to be the second, first or second quarterback uh, taken in the 2022 draft. Number of, of uh, four is Bryce Young, who we talked about out of um, – oh, come on, what's the high school, Kyle? It's the other one in California. It's the other one. It's the other rival <laughs> high school with the Michigan red Michigan helmets that I'm I'm forgetting. Anyway, Bryce Young, um, a player that I would compare to Russell Wilson. He can scramble. He doesn't take hits. He gets the ball downfield. Has a bit of a long release, but super athletic, thin, frail player. But we've seen the NFL. Um, uh, not be scared off by size at that position in, in recent years with Baker Mayfield and um, Kyler Murray. So in, in Bryce Young still has two years to fill out, but very excited about uh, Bryce Young. And then we have a new entry. A new entry at number five for me is Quinn Ewers, who is enrolling at Ohio State. He is supposed to be a fresh or a senior in high school this year, decides to forego his senior season of high school football, of, of high school, and graduates early. He's enrolling at Ohio State. Um, one of the highest touted quarterback prospects we've seen. He had a one ranking. For those who don't know, the recruiting, well, 24-7 sports um, ranks players on a one scale. Usually you don't like uh, you don't usually you don't get players who are ranked one like you'll get highly rated players that are ranked 99, 97, such as that. But Quinn Ewers was ranked one for a long time. Jadavian Clowney, another player, uh, Vince Young, who had a one ranking. Uh, Trevor one Lawrence, overall. correct. Who else? Trevor Lawrence. I'm pretty I sure. Don't I don't know if Trevor Lawrence had a one. Maybe a 99. It was yeah, really he was, he was high up there. But Quinn Ewers, a new entry. Um, uh, enrolling at Ohio State, he's going to be a player that people are really attracted to. Another 2022 guy in Matt. So, so is Ewers where you have a tier break? Because obviously most people have these top four QBs on a tier by themselves and mm -hmm. apart from the rest. So, yeah, I think as far as value goes, Ewers is probably a tier of his own. If you were in a startup right now, I 
Ewers might even go higher than number five uh, at his position. Um, and he's going to hold his value through this season. Nobody's letting go of Quint Ewers on the Chief just because he won't play uh, this year. He's just a highly touted prospect and um, potentially the next, you know, it, it thing at the quarterback position. And, and look, I mean, Ohio State has – under Ryan Day, has produced some monster quarterback prospects. Dwayne Haskins was a one-year starter at Ohio State, put up monster numbers. Justin Fields transfers from Georgia to uh, uh, to Ohio State, leads them to a, a championship, and, is again, puts up monster, monster numbers. And so I would expect nothing less from Quint Ewers, who is every bit the prospect that both Fields and, and, ha- and Haskins were as, as quarterbacks. So um, – Number six, Matt Corral, a uh, turnover-prone gunslinger, almost like a poor man, Spencer Spencer Rattler, so to speak. Um, but if he can if he can limit his turnovers this year, he's got all the arm talent. Um, just a really exciting player. He's going to be he he should be a potential first round draft pick. Carson Strong out of Nevada, uh, a player who doesn't really add anything as far as rushing the football, but he is a great downfield passer. He's going to be the next G5 or group of five player to um, to jump to the NFL. I'm really, really excited about him. Sometimes I have strong uh, over Corral. Sometimes I have Corral over strong. It just really depends on the day. And number nine. I got to say, I got to say, I, I'm just going to say, I don't see it with Carson Strong. I watched like all of his games from last year and I was just like, really, this is the guy we're getting excited about. (sighs) Well, so here's the thing with pocket passers who don't offer anything rushing the ball. What I want to see is a low turnover ratio. I want to see them throw the ball downfield. I want their yards per attempt to be somewhere around 10 or higher or something like that. And um, I mean, those, those, those two things. Um, I want those players to be aggressive. Uh, just like Mac Jones was. Think, think about Mac Jones last year. Now, when you look at at Carson Strong's yards per attempt, it's around like eight point something or something like that. But that's because just a, as a function of their offense, when corners are playing off, they'll just set hut, hike the ball, and throw it out there. They do that a lot. They do that a lot. And so you're not going to get uh, uh, very high, high yards per attempt when you're running those types of plays. But when he's asked to throw the ball downfield, he has the arm strength to do it, and he and he does it accurately. So I'm really high on Carson Strong. Um, I would love to see him with a team that's that ha- almost has everything in place. I think of a, th- a team like Washington. Washington's defense front seven is ridiculous. Their skill position players are ridiculous. I would love, you know, around pick 15, 16, 17, to see a player like Carson Strong go to uh, to Washington to co- complete that team. So where do you have uh, Strong ranked? I actually have Strong outside of my top 10. I think he's well, we're top 14. T- I mean, that's not – that's not terrible. So, I, you know, there are some people who are high on strong and there are some people who aren't. Um, he's kind of been he's, my baby since the beginning. I, he you is know, number 18 on my quarterback rankings. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll see. He's going to he has one of the best complement of skill position players in the country, considering any school, any mm-hmm. school. He has one of the best. So he's going to put a, they start off the season with Cal. Cal can't score points. He he's going to have a really good season. He should start off with an upset against a power five team. Um, so do you think the NFL has changed their views of air raid quarterbacks? Because 
that's been a situation in the past where they haven't necessarily valued those guys very high. Have they changed? Well, I mean, I think of it depends on the types of throws that they're making. You think about Mike Leach's offense. That's air raid, but they're throwing the, I mean, they're throwing slants in the ball, you know, seven yards down the field and field and doing it very efficiently. So somebody like Will Rogers uh, at Mississippi State is not somebody that I'm high on. But you watch Carson Strong, and again, he's throwing the ball downfield to Romeo Dubs. This year he'll be throwing the ball downfield to Elijah Cooks and, and Cole Turner. So I think it depends on the time, you know, whether it's air raid or any other type of offense, it depends on whether you see. Um, that player making NFL throws from one hash to the opposite sideline, um, uh, down the seams between safeties and linebackers. Th those are the types of th 15, 20, 30 yards downfield. Those are the types of throws that I, that I want to see. Um, and so when I'm watching tape, I look to see if I can see those things on the tape. This guy isn't in my top 10, but you watch Michael Penix out of Indiana, left-handed southpaw player. He has one of the strongest arms in college football, can make any throw. He's inconsistent, but he can make any throw. And so, I, like, I, and he plays in a kind of wide open spread offense option system, um, but you see him make, make those NFL throws. And so I think that the NFL will gravitate to those types of players. So whether it's air raid or again, any other type of offense. I don't think the NFL cares. They just want to see that you have um, the potential to run an NFL offense, and I think Carson Strong does. Okay, let's continue with uh, number eight. Number eight is another freshman in the mold. I would say he's in the mold of, well, quite frankly, Malik Willis or um, Cam Newton. He is backing up Spencer Rattler at Oklahoma. Uh, the number one prospect in this incoming freshman class coming out of the tri-state Washington, Virginia, Maryland area in, um, in Caleb Williams. Uh, he's going to be an elite, elite rusher for Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma. The question about Caleb Williams was whether or not he could be an efficient passer. You're talking about a player who was a 57% completion percentage passer um, at, uh, in, at, in high school in the types of, Passes that you saw him complete were him scrambling and the deep and the defenders would just eventually lose their receivers and he would complete those types of passes. But then you watch Caleb Williams in the spring game and he's, you know, doing things on schedule. He's efficient in his running game. And you say, OK, this might be somebody that Lincoln Riley can actually mold into um, an NFL passer. And if, if quite frankly, if Malik Willis can be somebody that people are throwing out there as a number one or as a first round NFL draft quarterback, then, then Caleb Williams can be also. And your next uh, player is Malik Willis. My, my next player is Malik Willis, who, who we've talked about. I mean, he's a, an elite rusher. The question about him is his accuracy. Um, arm strength, arm strength is not a question. And then to round out the top 10 is JT Daniels, who is starting for Herm Edwards there at Arizona State, uh, has been as a freshman, you know, another a dual threat. Jade, what did I say? JT? JT. Yeah. JT Daniels is the, is the quarterback uh, out of, of uh, uh, Georgia. Georgia. Out of Georgia. Jaden Daniels is a dual threat quarterback out of um, uh, uh, Arizona State, who's been starting as a freshman. You know, they only played four games last year, but he was in the 50 percent completion percentage range, but did, but had a had a very good um, freshman season. And so looking for him to bounce back in 2022, quite frankly, I think that he's a player who's not going to come out 
in next year's draft. I think he's going to stay all four years to develop physically. He's very slight, under 200 pounds, um, and, and had a bad season last year. So I think that we'll see him all use all four years of his eligibility. It's interesting. I really liked Jaden Daniels. Um, I did want to say, though, with Caleb Williams, you said the spring game really impressed you because I, I came out of his high school tape and I wasn't so so bullish. But um, I haven't ne- had a was to see the spring game yet. So maybe no, I just need to go I. watch the spring game. He was not my number one quarterback um, until I watched the spring game. I think I will. I don't even want to say who my number one quarterback was in this class. In this class. It wasn't – it wasn't uh, – it definitely wasn't um, uh, Caleb Williams, though. Well, now I want to know. <laughs> who was it? It was, it was Brock Vandegrift at first. It was Brock oh, Vandegrift. Oh. And, uh, yeah, and, and he has not – he's not uh, been doing well in camp and did not play well in the spring game. So. All right. We'll move on to running backs now. And um, – what number one at running back just seems to be a lock for everybody. Uh, it's a lock for me. Who is it? Yeah, and uh, again, if folks don't know, Bijan Robinson is a running back out of Texas, 220 pounds. Um, just to give you a, an a, a, a sample of, of his um, talent, he averaged almost 20 yards a carry in, the, in his bowl game against Colorado last season as a freshman. Um, can catch the ball, can run. He is a... Saquon Barkley level prospect. That's why players are looking for uh, those 2023 first round picks because they want to get Bijan Robinson. He now has Steve Sarkeesian, who was at the helm of these prolific Alabama uh, offenses as the offensive coordinator at Alabama. He's now the head coach at Texas. And just uh, today talked about how Bijan Robinson is going to be the catalyst for that offense. He's going to be an elite producer. Quite frankly, I wouldn't be surprised if he sits out next year. Um, if he plays really well this year, because he's locked in, absolutely locked in as the number one running back in that class, given his size, speed uh, combination. I don't think that I'm saying anything that you disagree with there, Kyle. Nope. He's locked in number one for me in a tier by himself. Who do you got at number two? Now, this is where it gets interesting because people have different opinions. There are two players that pretty much folks have. Again, 2023 prospects. I have Jameer Gibbs. Um, He's just a slashing type of running back, but is an elite downfield pass catcher. And um, that's why I have him over my number three running back, because in fantasy football, catching the catching the football is what scores you points. And Jameer Gibbs is an, is can be used down the field. We're not talking about just leaks out of the backfield or checkdowns. He's someone that you can run wheel routes and throw the ball to 20, 30 yards down the field because Georgia Tech does that with him now. Just very competent as a pass catcher um, and, and is, quite frankly, the best player on Georgia Tech's team. Was last year uh, for Georgia Tech. You'll see him return kicks. You'll see him run the ball. You'll see him uh, catch the ball. So Jameer Gibbs is my number two running back. Yeah, and every year the draft rolls around. Jax Falcone of the Undroppables does his uh, analysis of a top 12 running back or whatever, where he lists all the things they have to, all the thresholds they meet as college players. And one of those is 30 receptions in a single season before they graduate. Gibbs had 24 in his freshman season where he didn't obviously start right off the bat, and they didn't even play 12 games, I don't think, so. He's definitely He missed his first game with an injury, and he missed um, – I think he missed a, a second game with an injury in addition to being a freshman. Yeah, so 
Jameer Gibbs right out the bat is is hitting some of those some of those thresholds. But we need to, that's a team that is transitioning. They used to be an option offense, and under Coach Jeff Collins, they're now putting a more modern system in there. And so there's still like a talent deficiency, a talent gap there. But but Jameer Gibbs is an elite player. Yeah, and. I actually have these 2023 running backs that you just mentioned as four and five, and I have your four and five as two and three. So who's your four and five? Well, I, well, three is tank. We didn't talk about tank, tank Bigsby. Oh, tank yeah. Bigsby. You, is, you started um, to mention him and I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that's all right. Tank Bigsby out of Auburn, um, a big bruising back uh, who's going to produce a lot for Auburn. Auburn's, uh, uh, they just got the offensive coordinator from, Boise State. Boise State is always putting up uh, uh, prolific numbers at the running back position. Think about all the way back to Jay Ajayi. Think about uh, uh, Alexander Madison. Um, well, Tank Bigsby is an elite, uh, an elite prospect. Um, physical bruising back who's very difficult to tackle. Um, I have him number three because I just don't believe that he's the pass catcher that Tank Bigsby is. But think of you know Ezekiel Elliott, that type of player. That's what Tank Bigsby is. Um, number four and five, I have Isaiah Spiller and Brees Hall. I have Isaiah Spiller, number four, Brees Hall, number uh, uh, number five. Spiller, again, a bruising back in this class of 2022 that I'm not really that high on. Um, can grind, out, grind it out between the tackles. I have him a little bit over Hall because I think Spiller is a better size-adjusted athlete. I don't think that Spiller is an elite athlete, but I think he's a better size-adjusted athlete at 220 pounds than Hall is. Um, Hall is more of the all-purpose skill set, um, uh, following in the footsteps of David Montgomery out there in, at Iowa State. At number six, I've got Travion Henderson. This is the first freshman, so the incoming class of 20, uh, 2021. He'll be 2024 eligible for the NFL draft. Um, just kind of he's compared by 24-7 sports to – uh, Christian McCaffrey. I see a lot of Reggie Bush in his game, kind of a high explosive runner who can catch the ball, all purpose back. Uh, and number now, number seven is a player that I'm higher on than most. Um, and that's Zamir White. Zamir White was the number one running back in his class, suffered injuries, suffered a bunch of injuries coming out of high school his first year, then his first year as a freshman. Um, but really, and he's looked like a plotter at times in his career at Georgia. But starting at the Missouri game uh, uh, last year in 2020, he's looked like a different player. He's looked like an absolutely different player. He's, he's looked explosive. He can beat. He can run you over. He can uh, uh, get back, back by you with agility, and he can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's at that ideal size, 215 pounds or so. Um, I think if the medical checks out that you'll see uh, Zamir White get potentially get day two draft capital and Shane Hallam, of uh, the Debbie Marketplace is someone who agrees with me on that. Number uh, eight is Zach Evans, another freshman running back out of TCU, another slasher type. Um, I need to see him be more of a tackle breaker. Sometimes goes down with um, w- on first contact. And Brandon Lejeune of the Debbie Deep Dive has got some really good stuff on him out there. It's on his YouTube page. Jason McClellan, five-star running back out of Alabama, all-purpose skill set at number nine. And then number 10, who just recently moved up for me, is Eric Gray. Eric, you talk about pass catching. Uh, Eric Gray had 30 receptions last year at Tennessee for an offense that wasn't very good, and he makes the jump to Oklahoma. 
I quite frankly, I think you got the Tennessee, the Tennessee shirt on. Um, quite frankly, I think Oklahoma is going to put up um, stats comparable to that 2019 LSU team. They have a lot of talent at at Oklahoma, and quite frankly, is uh, Spencer Rattler is a better quarterback prospect than Joe Burrow was. Now, Joe Burrow had Joe Brady as his offensive coordinator, but Spencer Rattler has Lincoln Riley, who's right there with them. There's a lot of speed on that Oklahoma team. Um, uh, Eric Gray is somebody who can line up in the slot, who can line up outside. He's very a very versatile player, and he's going to be really fun to watch. I don't. I I think once we get to the NFL draft, he might weigh in at you know 205 pounds or something like that. So that's a concern for me. But he's going to be a very productive player for Oklahoma. So that's who I have at number ten. Yeah, I'm really happy you finally got him in your top ten. <laughs> he's one yeah. of my favorites in all of college football. Um, well, when I pick honestly, him, then I got to move him up. So <laughs> the draft, I'm like, all right, I'm moving this dude up. His stats do not look great from an analytical perspective, but when you keep in mind just how bad Tennessee was, I went to every single home game. It just wasn't fun to watch. And then they turn around and give the ball to Ty Chandler instead of Eric Gray, and it was just annoying because Ty Chandler just goes down when he gets hit, and Eric Gray actually yeah. breaks tackles. Yeah, Gray has a, is is a versatile player who can you know he can't run. I don't know that he can run you over, but he can make you. Uh, miss with lateral agility and these players develop they get better and you, you know you think i would think about eric gray in the mold of clyde edwards hilaire we talked about that 2019 lsu team that's the type of player that eric gray is yeah and you spoke about how much talent that oklahoma is do you think that's possibly a negative with kennedy kennedy brooks still there and um i believe marcus major yeah, no, Marcus Major is still there. Um, I don't they neither one of those two possess the skill set that Eric Gray does. And so you can have Kennedy Brooks and Eric Gray on the field at the same time because Eric Gray will just be lined up in the slot and, and Kennedy Brooks will be in the backfield. Kennedy Brooks has been an eleven hundred yard all purpose yard producer two years, opted out last year, but he does not scare me at all. I know PFF has him as the what number three running back in the country. Um, but he didn't Brooks didn't play in the spring game. Um Gray did, and you saw how Lincoln Riley was using Eric Gray. I think that Lincoln Riley is very excited about Eric Gray be, because of how many ways he can be used. So Kennedy Brooks doesn't scare me at all. As a matter of fact, in college fantasy leagues, week one, I'm ha- Eric Gray is. I'm putting Eric Gray in my lineup. I'm not scared to start him. Yeah, um, Lincoln Riley should be super excited about all the players he stole from Tennessee and <laughs> Arkansas, and you know, yeah. all over the place. Yeah. Um, I w- did want to go back to Kendall Milton or not Zamir White, rather the other mm-hmm. Georgia running back that you had pretty high, yeah. higher than most people do, higher than I have him. Um, how do you feel about him and his situation with Kendall Milton, who I accidentally called him? <laughs> do you think that well, he's really going to elevate himself above Milton next year? Or? Yeah, well, let's lay the foundation here. So Kendall Milton is a, a one of these highly touted um, five-star running backs who went to Georgia. Georgia's a running back. You, um, he's 6'2", 220 pound bruiser. Um, you know, ha- already has NFL size. Uh, but Kendall Milton is at best third on the depth chart because you've got Zamir White clearly number one, um, uh, Dalvin Cook's little brother clearly number two, and then Milton and Dejon Edwards. Splitting reps 
um, with the with the twos. I'm getting, we're talking about spring games. I mean, that's exactly what happened in the spring game uh, this this season in April. You had um, Cook and Zamir White clearly running with the twos, and Milton and Dejon Edwards splitting reps. Excuse me, Zamir White and Dalvin Cook's brother. What's Dalvin Cook's brother's name? I'll just call him Cook. You had White know. and Cook clearly running with the ones, and then Milton and um, Dejon Edwards clearly running with the twos. So, um, so Milton doesn't does as in Milton is an elite running back prospect, but it looks like Kirby Smart is going to be giving the rock to to Zamir White again. Um, but that's a that's a team that always splits carries. That always splits carries, but but Zamir White is going to be the lead back for that team. I don't think that there's yeah. a question about that. Okay. Yeah, you go back to even like Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb. Always a team that's always a team. The three of those. Yeah. Team, yeah. And always a team that gains yards on the ground. Um, we'll move on to wide receivers now. Uh, who who you got number one? Um, number one is a wide receiver out of Arkansas by the name of Traylon Burks. This is what you need to know about Traylon Burks. He wears XXL gloves. So when you see people make these one-handed catches, when you see Odell Eldo Beckham making these one-handed qu- uh, catches, that doesn't – I mean, that's not rocket science. He has 10-inch hands. I mean, that's what that's what uh, Traylon Burks is. But Traylon Burks is 225 pounds, 6'3", 6'2", something like that, um, has the speed. He's going to be somebody that could potentially break the combine. So I have Traylon Burks. I love – Size-adjusted athletes, these big athletes. So I had him number one, um, and he had a thirty. He had a thirty-four percent weighted dominator last year. Is that good? Absolutely, yeah, that's I, absolutely killing the magic line. I went to I went to elementary school, Kyle. You got to spell it out for me. I don't. I mean, I went to public school. I mean, I went to public school. So you yeah, got to so spell it out for me. I'm at an SEC school. I don't, I don't think right. I'm supposed to learn things. Uh, I got Kayshawn Boutte uh, at number two. Uh, I mean, just uh, Deshaun Jackson type. I think that's actually his comparison. Uh, Deshaun Jackson just put up ridiculous numbers at LSU last year. Um, he's another player that I could see sitting out after the season if he has an elite season this year. We saw J- uh, Jamar Chase do that last year, but due to COVID, um, Kayshawn Boutte has already put up an elite freshman season. And if he has an elite sophomore season, I don't see any reason for him to um to uh uh play in 2023 just skip that year and then go to the nfl draft number three i've got garrett wilson uh ohio state is if if georgia is running back you ohio state is wide excuse me no ohio state is wide receiver you um garrett wilson i think is the best of the bunch there so i have him at number three george pickens at georgia a long contested catch wide receiver. The question about him is athleticism, but he was another very good freshman producer. Suffered an ACL injury this uh, earlier this year, so he may not play this season. Uh, he may make the jump to the NFL. He's 2022 eligible, or he could stay for his his. I guess that would be technically be his junior season. David Bell out of Purdue. Do you think that um, his injury could further hurt his athleticism issues and make him less? Uh... Not really, because it's an ACL issue, and we've seen so many players come back from ACL issues and not have a problem. I mean, think about um, Dalvin Cook, for example. I mean, he got hurt against the Lions. I remember watching that game. I think Keenan Allen has had ACL issues. And um, uh, 
Pickens is not someone who necessarily relies on speed and explosiveness. He relies more on his physicality and leaping ability. And, you know, I think that he's going to be he's going to return just fine. ACL injuries, quite frankly, are not um, injuries that concern me anymore. They just they just they just aren't unless you have multiple uh, ACL injuries like Zamir Zamir White has had, so uh, it can be a red flag. But we see players recover from those injuries all the time. Yeah, so. my guy, my guy, Michael Michael Duncan is going to be really happy to hear that because he drafted him in the UND league. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Know he was I remember that. Yeah, and he, that was a fine pick there. So um, I got David Bell at number five. He is a player that's um, really productive, kind of a catch radius type of player. Throw it in his area code. Code similar to Tylen Wallace. If people remember Tylen Wallace from last year, the problem with David Bell is going to be: is is he a separator? Is he someone who can run routes? Is he someone who um, can 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 separate? That's going to be the question for him. Raheem Jarrett, another twenty at number six, another twenty twenty three freshman. He's playing at Maryland with Tua Tagovailoa's little brother, uh, Talia Tua Tagovailoa. Um, so uh, a freshman wide receiver was very productive. You know, they only played four games at Maryland last year, and and quite frankly, Jarrett scored um, uh, twice against Penn State on the same play, um, but still was a five-star prospect and was kind of a coup for uh, for Maryland. Mike Loxley at Maryland is is really doing a good job at, at getting the talent from that area. Caleb Williams, almost we talked about earlier, almost went to Maryland. Uh, Jermaine Burton. That number seven is one of my favorites. I talked about my process earlier about production, verified testing, the, uh, those sorts of things. Jermaine Burton is somebody who was the fastest man at the opening the year he came. He came out. I think he ran a four four five. And you know, when you are running NFL times as a high schooler, it's just someone to pay attention to. You look at uh, and he's a, Georgia's game last year against Alabama. He was going against Joby number 28, and was consistent, consistently separating from him. Now, you look at the numbers, and his numbers don't – his numbers in that game didn't pop. But they had uh, Stetson Bennett starting. Stetson Bennett, not a very good quarterback. But there was a point in that game where you have both George Pickens and Jermaine Burton on the field. George Pickens, obviously, a sophomore, had an elite freshman season. But um, Stetson Bennett stopped, go- stopped going to, to – Pickens, who was being guarded by Patrick Sertain, and started relying on Jermaine Burton. So that quarterback had confidence in his true freshman wide receiver, and he's one of the most athletic uh, uh, players in the country. So I've got Jermaine Burton at number seven. At number eight, I've got Chris Olave, again at Ohio State, um, uh, just kind of a complete all-around wide receiver, one of the best, better route runners in the country. Um, Number nine, Parker Washington. One of these Texas high school kids who went to Penn State and was just really, really good from the jump uh, for, for Penn State last year, uh, including against Indiana and from, from there out. Um, uh, just a, a really exciting, young, shifty player. And then Quentin Johnson, kind of. Quentin Johnson might be the somebody who I have to move up my board, but he is a long, lanky, six foot four, 190, 180-pound player who can beat you deep, can run after the catch, has some really exciting athletic attributes for a player of his size. So Quentin Johnson runs out the, uh, uh, rounds out the top, the top 10 for me. Johnson is one of my crushes. One of my absolute favorites. For good reason. Yeah. He was amazing as a freshman. 
Oh, yeah. Um, we're running a little long, so we'll go straight to tight ends. Who you got? Uh, tight ends. Let me let me uh, pull up my tight end rankings because <laughs> I haven't even. Uh, I'm pretty well. I know that I've got Michael Mayer number one. Um, Don't we all? Yeah, Michael Mayer, who's right down the street from me, Covington, Kentucky. Um, uh, I'm here in Louisville. He went to. He was in Covington, right outside of Cincinnati. Um, just a. You know, they got him listed at 245, but he looks like he could get up to 265. An absolute freight train of a player, very productive at Notre Dame last year. Uh, number two, I've got Eric Gilbert, who was the highest rated tight end recruit uh, in 24 7 ranking history. So the highest tight end recruit. He goes to Georgia now, and he's supposedly moving to wide receiver, but I think when he gets to the NFL, that he will be uh, go to the NFL at wide receiver. Um, Jalen Wademeyer at number three out of Texas AM. Um, they're super productive player. They've had a lot of injuries at Texas A&M as far as their skill, their pass catching skill position goes. And, uh, Widemeyer has been someone who's kind of filled in the gap there. But the question about him is testing. You cannot find verified testing for Widemeyer anywhere, including in the 2021, uh, Debbie watch where they actually mentioned that, that the problem is, is he, is he going to be a, an elite athlete? And those are the players that we see at the top of, you know, the, the, at the, the, the top of the NFL as far as tight end goes. It's not. It's really no secret. George Kittle, 99th percentile athlete. Darren Waller, 99th percentile athlete. Kyle Pitts, 99th percentile athlete. Noah Fant, 99th percentile athlete. TJ Hawkinson, 99th. I mean, so uh, the question is, is whether or not Jalen Wadamater is going to hit those numbers. And quite frankly, I don't think that he is. So uh, at number four, I, I have Sam. Go ahead. I did have one question about Gilbert. When we talked about quarterbacks, you talked about how you moved Rattler down because of maturity. Are you worried at all about Gilbert's constant switching between teams, even when he was a recruit? No, no. And I don't know that that's a maturity issue. Like I haven't seen Gilbert, you know, followed on television over an extensive period of time. So I don't, you know, I don't feel like I have an understanding of what his personality actually is, where I do with with Rattler. I think that Gilbert was just trying to make a decision that was the best for his NFL future in transferring. Um, now I don't, I might disagree with him, but you know, he's trying to set himself up for the future. He should have stayed at LSU. Yeah, I absolutely think he should have stayed at, at LSU. I think that that offense is going to be very good, but no, I'm not, I'm not discounting him for, for any care for, you know, a character issues or anything like that. Okay, let's go ahead with number four. Number four, Sam Laporta. We know he's out of Iowa. Iowa is tight end U. Uh, Dan Shonka uh, of our lad, the former NFL scout for the Chiefs, uh, Eagles, I believe, um, tweeted last year that Pat Firemuth was the one of the best tight ends in the Big Ten, but there was someone nipping at his heels, and that someone was Sam Laporta. I've got Jeremy Ruckert at Ohio State. Now, Jeremy, we talk about checking boxes. Productivity, athleticism, film. Jeremy Rucker checks like one of those boxes, and he was one of the more athletic players out of his class coming out. He has NFL size, but um, tight end, excuse me, Ohio State has split the reps at tight end, so he hasn't had a whole lot of production, but he has the athleticism. So Jeremy Rucker is skeptically my number five uh, tight end out of Ohio State. Darnell Washington, another UGA wide receiver, one of the biggest uh, skill position players in the country, 6'8", 270 pounds. He could potentially be a left tackle. Uh, my colleague Austin Nates hates him. He says he's too soft given his size. 
but um, but really a, a really good athlete for his size. The question will quite frankly be whether he's too big, but um, a good player in there. And Theo Johnson out of Windsor, Canada, hey, uh, uh, who has broken. He's a tight end out of Penn State. Played wide receiver in high school up in the snow there in Windsor. You could probably see the Detroit Renaissance Center from uh, from from his side of the river there. Um, but he's breaking uh, Penn State tight end testing numbers. Okay, we know what Penn State is as far as producing athletic talent with Troy Apke, Mike Gesicki, Saquon Barkley. We've got Theo Johnson breaking some of those those tight end numbers, and so and quite and he was an elite an elite athlete for his position. So Theo Johnson, I have number seven. Isaac Rex burst onto the scene at number eight last year. BYU, I think Zach Wilson made money for three skill position players as far as, you know, Debbie circles and campus to Canton circles. One was himself. Number two was Tyler Algier, the 220-pound running back and former linebacker. And the third was Isaac Rex, who was technically a true freshman last year, even though I believe he's 22, 23 years old, went yep. on his, his – yeah, went on his mission, but was dominant as a red zone weapon last year. Um, uh, just kind of high pointing the ball all over the place. Great hands. Um, he's someone who could potentially make the jump to the NFL as soon as this year. Uh, this is an, this is another guy that I'm really happy you have in your top ten because he's just so slept on, and he was one of my favorite tight ends. Yeah. Well, see, I was watching. So this is what happens in C2Cs is. You get done with your draft, and you're like, I need to find other players to add. And so I, last year I was looking at, quite frankly, I was looking at I needed quarterbacks. All these leagues are super flex leagues. I was looking at Hank Bachmeyer out of, out of uh, Boise State, and I was looking at Zach Wilson. BYU's first game last year was against Navy, and I'm watching him like, yeah, Zach Wilson looks good. He's throwing a Tyler Algier. I wrote down Tyler Algier's name. Kept watching those these late BYU games. Isaac Rex keeps popping. Zach Wilson, quite frankly, keeps keeps popping. And so I was – people give me credit for being ahead of the curve on Zach Wilson. I even got laughed at for trading um, uh, uh, t- uh, Travis Kelsey for Zach Wilson in, in a campus to Canton league because I knew I needed quarterbacks. And at the time I traded for him, Zach Wilson was not considered a potential number two overall pick in the draft. But I just needed some of that talent on my team. Um, so yeah, so Zach, Zach Wilson's Isaac Rex and BYU really good players for that. Yeah. For that, for that, for that BYU. For we're that we're BYU. absolutely in agreement about both those guys. I love Zach yeah. Wilson too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. yeah I, I got, got to, I, I got to sign Zach Wilson Jersey. You know, sometimes oh. I have it up. Sometimes I, I don't, but, um, yeah, I'm, it's I'm, definitely on my list of guys to add to the Matt Bruning. Collection. Matt Bruning got me a shout out to Matt Bruning. Uh, got, sent me the signed Zach Wilson Jersey, man. Shout out to my, to Matt Bruning, who people think I don't like for some reason. <laughs> maybe because you keep calling him No Ohio State. <laughs> yeah, that's their that's their name. That's their name. Um, number nine, I've got Greg Dolchich out of UCLA, another player who kind of burst onto the scene last year. Long, lanky, speedy tight end who had some put up some really explosive games for uh, uh, with Dorian Thompson Robinson last year. If you're staying up. Uh, uh, late to watch uh, West Coast football. He's a player to keep an eye on. And then another one, the last one to round out the top 10 is Cole Turner, a former wide receiver out of Nevada who is made the switch to tight end. He has the requisite height, 
but he's only 240 pounds. You kind of want to see someone, I think he's 6'6". You want to see someone who's 6'6". You want to see them, you know, in the 250, 260 range. He has another season to develop that. So hopefully, hopefully um, we'll see him put that on, but he's going to put up, you know, monster stats for Nevada this year. I'm very high on Nevada. I think they're going to have an excellent season. Yeah, he's definitely one of those guys that I look at and I'm like, that's a wide receiver. He's just pretending to be a tight end. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I did want to talk about a couple of guys that I really like that you actually don't have in your top 10 tight ends. And the first of those is Jalil Billingsley from Alabama. Well, I have him at 11, but let's talk about Jalil <laughs> Billingsley. Kyle, and since you want to call me out on Jabil My problem with Jabil, I have Jalil Billingsley, I have what? I have him at four, personally. Well, he might not be a tight end. We're talking about a guy who might be 215 pounds, might be 220 pounds. He's just not He's just not a tight end. When you see a player being used on kickoff returns, I you just don't see tight ends being used on kickoff returns. So I have some questions. One of my favorite players uh, in college football is Troy O'Meara. Um, Troy O'Meara, you look at Troy O'Meara like that dude is humongous. You look at Jalil Billingsley and he's just – he, his size doesn't stand out. So I don't think that he's an NFL tight end, but a potential elite option in campus to Canton leagues because I think he's going to be used as a wide receiver at Alabama, but have a tight end designation. So, um, I mean, you're not old enough, Kyle, but back in the day when Marcus Colston was playing his first oh, year I in the NFL – he had a he had a tight end designation and was but was playing at wide receiver. It's almost like a cheat code. I feel the same way about Jalil Billingsley, but I have questions about him being able able to be a tight end at the next level. I was playing fantasy football in the fourth grade. Thank you very much. Okay, all right. <laughs> the fourth grade was what for you? Uh, like in two thousand nine, probably. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, does he does he stand out as someone who could get? Uh, decent draft capital as a wide receiver? No, because I think that that at wide receiver, it, right now we saw in the in this last draft, you saw guys like Tutu Atwell and Jalen Watermeyer and uh, and Devonta Smith, smaller guys but explosive separators. I don't see that being. I don't see Jalil Billingsley being a, an explosive separator, being able to separate from cornerbacks. Um, so quite, you know, no, I don't see that in his future. I could be wrong. But he's a 225-pound move tight end in the form of, if folks remember Ed Dixon. If you remember Ed Dixon coming out of Oregon, that's what that's who I would compare him to. Interesting. Um, I did have one more guy that I have ranked really highly, and that's Trey McBride from Colorado State. Just jumped off the page statistically last year, albeit in like four games. But Yeah, he does. And Colorado State has a couple of players that I – well – and it, we talked about Dante Wright earlier as a player who's you know productive, but does he have an NFL future? Well, Warren Jackson was uh, Warren Jackson, a six foot six, two hundred twenty pound wide receiver that I thought I could have swore was going to be a day three pick that would just pop. But and he my, wasn't my guy, drafted; uh, was an undrafted free agent. Is reportedly doing very well at camp uh, for uh, for um, the Broncos. But then the the other player is Trey, is Trey McBride, and Trey McBride has been productive. But when I watch him. You know, I want he. I get he and Brant Kuthi out of out of uh, uh, Utah mixed up. Like I, those, these players have been productive, but when I watch them play, I just don't see, you know, somebody who's going to be a, a third round, fourth round pick. And so, 
yeah, I like those players, but they're not top ten for me. You've got you've got Trey McBride in your top ten. I do. I have him in my top three. I love well, Trey McBride. Shall see that. <laughs> All right, that does it for Felix's top ten rankings. Um, I do want to jump into one more thing before we sign off, and that's just some news and notes. Um, yeah. We talked about it obviously a little bit during quarterbacks, but Quinn Ewers did jump from his junior year of high school straight to uh, college football. Um, do you think this is something we'll see more often with the NIL rules changing or anything like that? Well, Quinn Ewers makes the jump to uh, uh, Ohio State this year, but we also saw another highly touted prospect in Jaden Blue who decided to skip his senior year of of football, but is still, you know, still uh, enrolled in high school. hasn't gone to Texas where he's committed. I think that we're going to see it with players who are as high. I mean, you know, there a Quint Ewers doesn't come around every year, but I think we will see it with higher touted, high, more highly touted prospects. Um, uh, you know, who come around every once in a while. But quite frankly, Quint Ewers is playing in Texas. Texas is a a bastion of capitalism. I don't. The reason why he made the jump is because he was getting these offers, and there's a uh, a law that says high school players cannot profit from their name, image, and like likeness. High school football is an is an industry in Texas. I don't see this law remaining on the books for very much longer, um, and so that's that's probably going to help some players. Like, all right, I can stay in high school and still get these deals because had Quint Ewers been able to make the money that he was being offered, he would have stayed for his high school season. Um, and so, yes, I, I see it. I think it will. I mean, this opens the door. I think it will happen for some players, but but rarely. It's going to be the elite guys. Yeah, like you said, Texas high school football is something else. That uh, The stadium that he plays his home games in is millions of dollars. Yeah, it's a million. It's, a million, it's like, I think it was like four or five million dollar stadium. Yeah. <laughs> Um, 18,000 seat capacity, South Lake Carroll is where, yeah. is where he's at. Yeah. I'll say that also, um, if you want more information about yours, you can go back to the Debbie debate podcast, which Felix Sharp is on. Um, two weeks ago, they covered the entire situation from so many different angles and it was a great show. I really recommend. Um, yeah, another- we, uh, we scrapped the show sheet that when that news broke, we were like, it was like only a couple of hours before we went live, and we we pretty much scrapped the show and covered the Ewers news from from every possible angle you could imagine, from Ohio State's depth chart to the future implications to, uh, you know, fam- what you should do in campus to Cantonese, what commissioners should do, everything that we could think about. We ran that down two weeks ago. Oh, speaking of, I didn't ask you, what do you think the percentage chance is that he actually starts a game? I starting a game, I think the percentage chance is is pretty low. I would put it in the, you know, 25, 30% range, something like there, something, something like that. But I think that we will see him on the field at some point this season, you know, a blowout against Western Michigan or I, I mean, I, I don't have their schedule in front of me, but they're going to play some G5 team or FCS team um, uh, where they're going to be up big in the second half and I think that they'll get him on the field but there's I mean there's another I mean we there's another highly touted prospect in Kyle McCord uh there at at uh, Ohio State who we've actually had on the Debbie debate um and they're going to want to get him him time too but I think that we'll see 
TJ Stroud start. I think we'll see Kyle McCord back up. And then I see that I think that we'll see uh, Quint Ewers, you know, maybe for a drive here or there this year. Play four games, keep his red shirt. Yeah. Something like that. Oh, yeah. And then the other big college football news that's happened over this uh, offseason is obviously the Big 12 and the SEC, Texas and Oklahoma filing to get into the SEC. What do you think are the implications there? I mean, the implications are money. I mean, when you add Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC, then they can command um, a higher dollar figure as far as television rights goes. And when you can command twenty, when you can make, when you can command thirty-five million dollars a team as opposed to twenty-five million dollars, I mean, it's a no-brainer for for all of those programs. And so, I mean, it's just about a money. It's just about money and it's just about the television, television dollars. I think it's going to be very exciting when we get to see Texas and LSU or, or Oklahoma and Georgia play every single year. And it's going to have a domino effect. I don't know exactly um, what's going to happen, but the big 12 probably isn't going to exist anymore. Um, uh, We might see, you know, some teams join the big 10 or the PAC 12, but um, all cha- I think change is great for college football overall. It's different. It adds excitement. It makes it raises the stakes of games, and that's just it's just fun. Do you think we're going to move from the Power Five to the Power Four with the Big Twelve? I mean, that's the potentially, potentially, or you know, Power Three. You know, <laughs> so somebody there's going to have to be somebody's going to have to make a move because. All the power is going to the SEC and the Big Ten, uh, uh, the Big 12, and uh, the ACC and um, uh, Pac-12. I mean, they 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 got to make a move to be competitive. Either you either you move forward or you get worse. Um, so we got to one of these conferences is going to do something. Mm-hmm. I think the one to watch is the American. Um, they have a couple of teams that stand out in basketball and football. And- oh yeah. They could push those Big Twelve teams in and try and make a try and make a move to be the fifth of the Power Five. Oh yeah, I agree with you. And then um, we'll discuss this upcoming season. Who do you think is going to win the national championship? I talked a lot about Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma is going to win the national championship. I think that they have the offensive weapons to do it. I think that they have the defense, the weapons to do it. Uh, R.J. Young, who's now on Fox Sports, um, is a Oklahoma stand. Um, and he's got me convinced that Oklahoma is going to win it. You know, I've, I've had Oklahoma and Georgia in the national championship game um, for a while. And that George Pickens news deters me a little bit. But I think that Georgia is so well-rounded of a football team that they're still going to make their way to the championship game. They're going to be in the SEC championship game. Alabama is down. I mean, they lose pretretty much their entire starting offense. Um, they got a new fresh, a freshman quarterback. Um, uh, uh, first-time starting quarterback, uh, we could see them lose, you know, one, two games. Um, And so Alabama's down. Clemson, again, they've got a new starting quarterback. Um, So I think that we're going to see – and then Clemson and Georgia actually play each other early in the season. So, um, But I think that we're going to see Georgia and Georgia and uh, Oklahoma State – excuse me, Oklahoma in the championship, and I think Oklahoma's going to get – their first one in a long time. Yeah, Oklahoma's defense has steadily improved since they added Alex Grinch as their defensive coordinator. Um, he was at Washington State, which is my second favorite team. Uh, you can just tell with, with what he does on defense, he's very good. So 
If you think Alabama might drop a game, who do you think it's going to be too? I mean, it could be Georgia in the SEC game. Uh, excuse me, in the SEC championship. It could be LSU. Uh, it could be, you know, I don't think that Alabama is infallible this year. Not only do they have a, a whole bunch of start, uh, new starters, but they also have a new offensive coordinator who, quite frankly, a lot of people don't like in Bill and Bill O'Brien after Penn State, uh, the Houston Texans, and even his time there in, in New England. So it remains to be seen whether or not that team is going to be as explosive um, as it was last year under Sarkeesian. So I mean, it could be it, it could be any number of teams. I just don't think it could be Ole Miss. Ole Miss gave Alabama a run for their money last year, as explosive as that, as that offense. I don't know that. We know that Link. We know that Link Kiffin wants to beat uh, Nick Saban. <laughs> The the Nick Saban uh, coaching rehab facility has done pretty well, no matter who it oh, yeah. was in the past, oh, yeah. though. So, um, do you have one bold prediction for next college football season? Oh, one bold prediction. I mean, I think that that was the bold prediction is that 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 Oklahoma would win. One bold prediction. Um, Hmm. I think I think Jim Harbaugh. This is his last year in Michigan. How about that? I like it. I agree. <laughs> well, it should yeah. be, but it might not be. Yeah. Um. And then, since today is the first action of the NFL season that we're gonna see, um, let's just uh, have a quick discussion about the Hall of Fame game, which will start in about forty-five minutes. Um. Do you think there's anyone that you want to watch who? Uh, maybe an incoming rookie that didn't get draft capital or uh, just some guys that don't normally get to play that you'd like to see? Well, I mean, I'm thinking Dwayne Haskins is going to start this game for the Steelers. Um, he's one. I don't have – I mean, Pittsburgh always has an undrafted free agent wide receiver that you want to uh, that you want to pay attention to. I don't know that there's anyone um, specifically. I, so. I think there is. They got Isaiah McCoy out of Kent State and uh, Rico Busey. Junior out of uh, Hawaii. So I didn't realize McCoy had made his way to Pittsburgh. That's he was a player that I was very high on before he went undrafted. The long, lanky, speed wide receiver was very productive last year for the. I think Kent State is the is the Golden Flashes, right? Or, Correct. Um, so, um, yeah, no, I, I that makes that I, Isaiah McCoy. If you're in like a 32 team league, like I am, he's one. Of, he's one of those players that you get you know, in, in round four and, and just you just hold on to him and see what happens, especially for a team like Pittsburgh, who's done so good at developing um, later drafted wide receivers from Mike Wallace to Antonio Brown to uh, to Emmanuel Sanders to uh, Deontay Johnson was a third round pick. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. So I like that call with Isaiah McCoy. Um, and then how do you think like the backfield – I think we'll get to see how the backfield shakes out behind Najee Harris and if maybe like Kalen Balage or Benny Snell is actually worth rostering, we might no. get to see that. <laughs> I think that I think that Najee Harris is going to be on the field like every single snap for that team. It's I, interesting. You know, they drafted him in the first oh, round. Oh, for ben Roethlisberger's regular old. season? Yeah. Say okay, again? That makes sense. For the regular season is oh, what yeah. you're saying. Okay, for yeah, the regular season, yes, for the regular yeah. season. Like, I mean, ben, ben Roethlisberger is on his last legs. They drafted Najee Harris in the first round. They're going to use that dude. They're going to use that dude a lot. And then for Dallas, the main guy I want to watch is another wide receiver who is out of Stanford, another 
person who went. Oh yeah, Simi Fihoko. Simi Fihoko, just an absolute monster, huge guy, can out jump most people. I think it'll be really interesting to see how he does. But of course, yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> you know, you can look at a player and tell whether or not I'm high on them when they're like six foot four and run a four four forty. I'm like, yep, yeah, that's a guy that I would gravitate towards. Um, older prospect, but had some explosive games for Stanford last year. Kind of a later breaking out player. Um, that that wide receiver uh, core is really is really stacked. So I think that it could be hard for him to break even the the the. 52 or the top 53, but no, I agree with you that he's a player to, to keep an eye. As a matter of fact, I've drafted him in a lot of places. I've Me drafted too. him in a lot of places. So. If my if my NFL side has a taxi squad, he is on it. I agree with you. And then I think the other interesting storyline for Dallas is um, who's going to play with Dak not playing at quarterback. Yeah. Um, obviously, Dak's going to be healthy for week one, but if he does, if he were to go down again, is it going to be Garrett Gilbert or everyone's favorite Ben DiNucci? Um, Cooper Rush is Cooper, Cooper Rush. Rush. Yeah. Yeah. One of these three has to be ready, but we'll see. And then yeah, we will see because I don't know if it yeah. matters with any any of those three uh, if, yeah. if Dak goes down. And then they could also- use a player like like Ian Book. Like if Ian Book was in Dallas. <laughs> And 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 Dak went down. I would be really excited about Ian Book, but I'm not excited about any of those three. No. And then there's one guy who's been in the NFL for a while but hasn't caught on anywhere. Uh, that's Jeremy Sprinkle, who I was looking at the Dallas Cowboys roster, and I was just like, this guy is on the Cowboys now? <laughs> yeah, Jeremy went out of Washington. Is Jeremy Sprinkle Washington Husky? Uh, I, he's I'm been around. He's been he's been around a long time. One of those athletic guys who you think is going to pan out and just and just never does. I mean, speaking of, he's on Dallas's roster. Remember um, Rico Gathers? Do you remember Rico Gathers, the former basketball uh, player? He yep. he had an outstanding uh, Hall of Fame game one season. For speaking of Hall of Fame games, I mean, I remember when Tony Romo went down and Dak Prescott, I believe, started in the. Hall of Fame game as a result of Tony Romo being injured and then um, uh, played that entire season. So, you know, this game it could it could it could mean something. Yeah, and it'll it'll just be fun to watch. It's been a while since we've had live football. All right, that does it for our show today. Um, I'd like to take a second to announce our next guest for the University Podcast, and that is another one of Felix's um, co-workers. Um, he is another co-founder of the Campus to Canton website. He is the host of the Why Wait Till Sunday podcast. It is Alfred Fernandez. He's going to be with us next week. You can find him on Twitter at Alfred. Alfred, Alfred talks just J-F. as much as I do, so be prepared for a long <laughs> episode there because we, me and Alfred both like to talk, uh, talk a lot. So you, yeah. you, you should have two hours ready. <laughs> We're going to be breaking down um, freshmen, uh, incoming freshmen, and um, that'll be at 8.30 Eastern rather than 6 o'clock, but it will be next Thursday. Um, and once again, I'd like to thank Felix Sharp for joining me today. Um, you can find his work at campusducanton.com, as mentioned before, with the two number, not the T-O, and um, on the Devi Debate podcast. And obviously, C2C is also starting out um, a Saturday show or two Saturday shows if you want to talk about those. 
Yeah. So we're going to get everyone ready for their for their campus to Canton leagues. The tailgate in the morning starting at 10 p.m. Eastern. And then the late show, the our late night talk show will be uh, uh, coast to coast that uh, I'm going to help drive that show where we're going to go. We're going to hit, you know, all the relevant games in the country and see what happened. What's the information that you need to be tracking uh, in the morning with the tailgate? What, what's the injury news, the DFS lineups? Um, we're really trying to just cover the landscape as far as college football goes. So August 28th, our first two shows, the tailgate, Campus to Canton. Go to the Campus to Canton YouTube page. Subscribe, turn on your notifications. Um, you're going to be hearing about it, but but start your Saturdays with us at Campus to Canton. Yeah, I got to say, I'm not being, I'm not just saying this because Felix is my guest. Campus to Canton is the premier Debbie website. Um, I'm a subscriber. I subscribe to their website and their YouTube page. I love watching their shows and listening to their podcast. Definitely recommend. Appreciate and that'll that. do us for today. Thank you, guys.